Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Kura. And I love you, Bear. This is episode 15 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about childhood. What's your earliest memory, Kura? Well, I've been thinking about this since I, I promised that I would uh, kind of ponder these questions a little bit more. I actually don't have any earliest memory. Um, there's like nothing that just absolutely stands out. Like, you know, you hear stories about people knowing, like, they're knowing exactly their first memory, and really, honestly, nothing pops out. Just stands out that I can recall, to be honest with you. I guess I don't have a start date. What's yours? There are a couple of things. I know that before my family moved to Kansas, that we lived in something like seven or eight states, because my father worked for a company where he was transferred around a lot. It wasn't a military thing, but it was a like a military contractor. And and we lived in a lot of states that I have n- almost no memories of. But I do remember we lived in a house that had a basement. And I think there was a shower in the basement. And there were the tall windows that were up high that kind of looked out at ground level. And I have no idea how old I was then or anything, but I know that it was a was not a house that I grew up in. So I, it, I it recall, had to be before that. I recall your mom saying that you lived in Texas for a while, and then I think she said you guys lived in Massachusetts. You... Yeah, I think it was the Massachusetts, because I was born in Fort Worth, but all, all of that time would have been like before I was even a year old, so there's no way I could have any memories of that. Okay, because yeah, like I was saying, your your mom has told stories like she remembers being born. I don't know how that's possible, but I, for some reason that stands out to me. I remember her telling me some story about that. That's just weird to me. My mother and my sister both say that they have memories from infancy, hmm. but I, I don't think that I do, and I don't have a whole lot of memories before third grade. Yeah. Well, that was after your baseball incident, I believe? Yeah, we covered that before, that I was hit in the head with a baseball bat in third grade, and I really don't have a lot of memories before that. Okay. That probably explains a lot about me. Hmm. What was the city you grew up in like? Um, It was, it was a nice little town. Um, I grew up on the Jersey Shore. It was a... Like, I mean, it was it was a, a seasonal town. I mean, I grew up right next to Atlantic City. The town was called Ventnor. I lived in Ventnor Heights. It was uh, part of Ventnor, but it was a little island behind the barrier island. Uh, just a nice little town. Like I said, it was seasonal during the, the summer. People came down from Philly and lived there. They had summer properties and stuff like that. So during the winter, it was pretty empty. And then during the summer, it would get real, real busy. It was it was a nice place to grow up. I, I, I enjoyed it. Looking back, I didn't realize how, 
how nice it actually was. You know, I just kind of took it all for granted. But I, you know, I, I guess, you know, it was, it was a nice place to live. It was. So I enjoyed it. You said Ventnor Heights is behind the Barrier Island. What is a Barrier Island? You know, barrier Island just, it's, it's the, basically it's a, the, a line of islands that basically stretch up and down either coast. Uh, I think they're more prominent on the East Coast that uh, basically block the ocean from the, the mainland. They're generally just long, narrow islands. That's why they're called a barrier. It's kind of a barrier to the mainland, kind of protects the mainland. It was kind of funny growing up there because when we would leave the island, we would go offshore, and that was meaning the mainland. But if you think about it, it's kind of quite the opposite. Offshore would be the barrier island, if you think about it. But we referred to the mainland as offshore. You know, we're going offshore. That meant you were going to the mainland. There was just a few bridges that connected, and that's how we would get back to the mainland. So that town was sort of like a tourist trap. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to say trap, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a touristy part of town. I mean, we like my front door, basically across the street from my front door was the back bay or the intercoastal highway, they would call it. But you could directly, from my front door, you could see all the casinos in Atlantic City. Because the island kind of bowed around. So, But yeah, it was pretty neat. I do remember visiting, we went to visit there, and I could sit on your the front porch of your mother's house, and you could see the casinos that were all lit up and would have like laser shows and stuff at night. Mm-hmm. So you, you could, you could literally see Atlantic city from the front porch. Yeah. And they, they would do fireworks. Yeah. You could see all of it really. I mean, all the way uh, down to the, yeah, cause it was called Absecan Island and on Absecan Island to the North end was Atlantic city. And then it was Ventnor. Then it was Margate. And then it was Longport it was on the Southern tip. And then the, the next island down was Ocean City. But, uh, yeah, it was referred to as Epsecan Island. People, uh, Boardwalk Empire is obviously based on Atlantic City back in the, the 20s. whole series on Showtime that was based around it. And it was, you know, before gambling was popular or it became legal everywhere, pretty much the only places legally to gamble back then were Las Vegas and Atlantic City. It was quite the, the hot spot for nightlife back back then. So and then they, they started opening up more casinos up and down the coast. So it's still pretty popular. Uh, there's a lot of uh, tourism all year round in Atlantic City. But in the summer, that's really it's peak season from Memorial Day. And then Fourth of July is like the big, big kickoff. And then dies down on Labor Day. So. The locals dread the summer. I mean, the economy is driven a lot by out there. By by the summer, people live there year-round. The non-locals we refer to as shoobies, and that basically comes from the... Shoobies are basically non-locals who come down from the city, like Philadelphia or 
any place that's not there. And the reason they're called Shubis is because back, I believe, like in the 20s and 30s, when they would come down, uh, they would bring all of their stuff to the beach in shoe boxes. So all the locals always refer to them as Shubies. That's interesting. I, I do recall when we visited that from Atlantic City on south, there is like a boardwalk between the beach and the rest of the, the, the land. And you could probably walk. I think all the boardwalks, boardwalks are like connected. You could probably walk all the way down the east coast from one boardwalk to another and, and <laughs> never touch the sand. Well, I mean, not quite. Like uh, on Epsican Island, the boardwalk goes from the inlet, which is the north end of Atlantic City, which is a terrible, terrible area. But it runs all through Atlantic City, through Ventnor, and then stops in Margate. So there's not a boardwalk down in uh, Mallport. You know, like Ocean City has a boardwalk. Yeah, but uh, I mean, most of the islands do have boardwalks. Run most of the distance. So it is neat. I mean, it's nice to go up there. A lot of people use it to walk or bike on. Yeah, it's in their shops and stuff like that when you get to Atlantic City. When you're down in Ventnor, there's 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 absolutely no shops on the boardwalk. It's just, you know, you have these summer homes, which are now turning into condos and, you know, apartment complexes, the high-rises. But when you get up to Atlantic City, the casino's about right up to the boardwalk, and then there's shops that you've seen. There's a mall. It's called Ocean One Mall. kind of looks like a a cruise ship, and then there's just, like, t-shirt shops, little restaurants, souvenir shops. Uh, I believe we went to Ripley's, believe it or not, that was on the boardwalk. But yeah, there's there's quite a bit to do. Then there's just numerous piers uh, with rides and roller coasters, stuff like that. I suppose when you grow up in that atmosphere, kind of take it for granted that all kids grew up, you know, in Atlantic City and had things like that where a lot of people, you know, it's a special vacation experience and, and for you it was just every day. Yeah, and it, it still blows my mind like when people say they, they've never been to the ocean. I mean, I, I literally grew, across, grew up across the street from the back bay and like two blocks away from the ocean. So that kind of blows my mind. So, yeah, I mean, we had it. We were spoiled, you know, but you don't realize it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You don't realize it as a kid and about all this stuff, you know. There was literally, we could do anything. So there was always something to do. But when you're a kid, you can't see past your own nose. But yeah, it was. I was very fortunate as a child to grow up there. Who was stricter, your mother or your father? Well, my dad, he he was a cop. He worked third shift. But my mom, she worked Monday through Friday, eight eight to five. I would say she was more of the disciplinarian. My father was the type, if you got in trouble, you were grounded for a month. No questions asked, you're grounded. Whereas my mom was more of, go get the wooden spoon. You're about to get your your ass spanked. You, You misbehaved. Um, I wouldn't say, I guess you remember, I was afraid of my mom for the spankings, but my dad, you know, what he said went. My mom could overrule him, but I would say he was probably more of the disciplinarian. 
I guess they equally ran the house. How about you? My mother was definitely stricter, but that was mainly because my father was always off doing his own things, his, his projects and working on cars and building things and whatever. So he didn't really have a, a really big hand in raising my sister and I. So I guess that left my mother to be the disciplinarian. Okay. Was it like, um, wait till your father gets home type of thing? Or? Not that I ever really remember. Okay. As far as behavior, oh, <laughs> my sister and I were a lot more afraid of my mother than my father. Okay. Uh, I just don't really recall a whole lot of time with my father. If I wanted to spend time with him, I, it had to be, you know, doing the things that he wanted to do, and those were not things that I was interested in. Yeah, because, well, he was, he was really in the cars and fixing up old cars, and then you have a few cars that he worked on, and you guys would show and stuff like that. Yes, he had a, a show car, Kaiser Darren, which was really fancy. He had a, a metal flake paint job, and uh, he did take it to car shows, and he he really enjoyed that, but cars was, was not my thing. Hmm, interesting. Was your family richer or poorer than the others in your neighborhood? Uh, I would say we were middle class. Both of them were. I wouldn't say we were poorer or richer. I mean, we, we, you know, we didn't struggle for food or anything like that. I mean, so I'd say middle class. I would say, I don't know. But really, the, there was never really much talk about finances or anything like that. It was never an issue. So, you know, we were. I guess pretty well off, but I mean, we weren't extravagant by any means. I remember we would go grocery shopping every other Friday with my mom, me and my sister, my mom. You know, it was, it was always a treat to go to McDonald's, which was out on Tilton Road on offshore. And then, you know, we would go to Friendly sometimes and eat there, kind of like a... Uh, Neighbor, well, it's a chain. I don't know if it's still around, but they were known for their ice cream and stuff like that. It was always a treat to go there. And as when I was younger, it was go to McDonald's. And then as I got older, it was we would go to Friendly's. Maybe because it opened up, I'm not sure. We would go there for dinner. And I would always get a, a Jim Dandy, which was one of their uh, ice cream dishes. It was like basically a schooner full of ice cream and kind of like a banana split in a schooner but it was very tasty i missed those quite a bit actually so your family considered mcdonald's a, a luxury it was it was it was a treat for us kids which i think is kind of funny but i don't know i think a lot of kids even nowadays mcdonald's is a treat sometimes i guess i'm not sure everyone's so health conscious now so maybe it isn't back then it definitely was well, for my family, pizza was a was a luxury. Hmm. Pizza Hut was a was founded here in Wichita, and 
it seems like I have a distant memory that pizza was kind of like a new thing. Surely it wasn't. But maybe here in Wichita it was. Yeah. It's... We didn't have pizza that often. And when we did, it was kind of a, a memorable experience. I don't think our family was necessarily richer or poorer than any of the others in the, the neighborhood. But I didn't have a whole lot of experience with other families in the neighborhood. There weren't any families that had kids our age to play with. So it was just my sister and I. And so I didn't really have a comparison of how the other neighbors were. There was a neighbor on one side who was mentally challenged, and uh, we didn't really talk to him very much. The neighbor on the other side was a very old woman who, I don't know, she may have been like a gypsy or a R Romanian, maybe. She had a chimpanzee as a pet. Oh, wow. We called her the monkey lady. Did you ever get to go visit the chimpanzee, or was it locked away? Or? It, it, was, it was not friendly. She, you could, walking by, you, you could see it. She, she would have it on a leash. But it was kind of dangerous to be around kids, so uh, she, she didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, they can be very violent. A lot of people think they're just these cute things you see in movies, but if they, you know, they reach puberty, they can, they, they can kill people. Um, <laughs> everyone thinks they're just like these cartoon Disney cute cuddly animals, and they can be very, very violent. I guess it was, it was good that you guys didn't get to play with the gym all that often. She had a husband that I don't really recall seeing around very much. You sure that wasn't the chimpanzee? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> the, the only memory I have about him was uh, when he died, my mother was surprised that the obituary listed him as a shepherd. Hmm. And there were no sheep in our neighborhood, at least not then, but not <laughs> that neighborhood. So we, we were all surprised that he, and he was listed as a retired shepherd. Huh. But the family, we weren't any more rich or poor than anybody else either. I guess we fit into our neighborhood yeah, that's, fairly well. That's the best way to describe ours, too, I would say. What did your family do for fun? We really didn't do many family activities. Well, okay, then as a child, what, what did you do with other kids for fun? Oh, gosh, we would go to the beach. The back bay was like our playground because we, like, well, my grandfather owned two houses on the water, which were right across the street that we actually rented out. Uh, um, let me interject here. What is a back bay? The back bay is the water, the waterway that runs between the barrier island and the mainland. So it's basically uh, just the water that surrounds the barrier, you know, the back, basically the back half. The barrier island is the bay. You have the ocean on one side, and then you have the bay on the back side. And so, where I grew up, it was an island, but it was surrounded 
with other islands which weren't inhabitable. It was basically marshland. So there's marsh grass and there's a bunch of like just creeks and marshland. Kind of like swamp, but not not like bayou swamp. But you know, the, the tidal pool would go up and down, so you had high tide and low tide. On uh, extremely high tides, the islands would, would flood, depending on the moon. And you know, if it was a full moon, it was a high tide. It wasn't rare that you came home at night. Uh, you'd have to walk through water to get to your house, put a water or whatever. So, I mean, it, yeah, the back bay was just it was the water that surrounded the back you know, part of the island. But yeah, we would go and swim there and we'd, you know, have surfboards and paddle around. We'd go out in the marsh and do what little boys do and build forts and hide and play chase and tag and you know, there was a lot of kids that grew up in my neighborhood and Venter Heights was just a small little island and, you know, we all knew each other and yeah, back then you could run around and make sure you were at home when the sun went down. You know, as soon as the street lights came on, that's when you, you came home. Yeah, we I mean we did a lot of fun things. You'd go to the beach, go swimming, swim in the back bay, like I said. Uh as I got older and a teenager, you'd play volleyball on the beach, eat their parties on the beach. It was it was a, it was a very nice place to grow up. There was a lot of activities to do. Then video games came out and play video games. You know, not at my house. My dad went all you know. I had video, games, but if it was nice outside, I was I was supposed to be outside, not in the house. What did you do for fun as a child? The thing that I recall having the most fun doing was reading. I, I I like to watch a lot of TV, and but I'm I also really enjoyed reading. I don't read nearly as much as an adult as I did as a child. It was a way to escape, I, I suppose. Hmm. Television, probably the same way. It was it was a way to, for a while, not think about the you know the the life that I was in and and, and escape to. Uh, other realities. My mother also wanted me to spend time outdoors. She would say, go out and play. I, I imagine that was mainly just to get her out of, or get me out of her hair. But I do recall many times her sending me out the door and locking the door so that I couldn't come back in. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like, you know, we when I grew up, I, did a, I played a lot of sports, so there's always those extra, extra curricular activities. You know, I played baseball and football and all that stuff up until high school. And then I remember my freshman year in high school, that's when I started rowing, and it was a sport. My mom made me join in the spring because at that time I was skateboarding quite a bit and I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. It wasn't necessarily a bad crowd. I mean, it's not like I got arrested or anything, but I wasn't doing very well in school and my mom made me row. She's like, you're going you're gonna to do this. And I fought it tooth and nail. And then by after my freshman year of rowing, as much as I didn't want to admit it, I about a month after school let out, I was done rowing. I couldn't wait to get back in the boat and row again. So it was 
you know, that's obviously how I wound up here in Kansas with a scholarship for rowing. Yeah, it was basically me, my rowing career started because I was a little troublemaker and my mom would get me off the street. So it was very wise of her to do that. I can see that. Well, you said that you read for fun. What was, I guess, what was your favorite toy? My sister and I had lots of board games and stuff like that, but I found them boring. I, don't, I just never liked games. You don't like video games, sir. No, I don't. But I had a device called a Merlin. It was a, a handheld game. I think had 12 LEDs on it. I got it out of the closet the other day because I still have that thing. Oh, wow. It's not functional because I left the batteries in it and they corroded up. And, and it was pretty well cracked. I'm sure it had been drip, dropped many times. But it was a it was a game because that well, it was a game that I considered fun because there were games like memorization games, sort of like Simon, where it would flash lights in a pattern, and you had to repeat the patterns by pushing on the buttons. Hmm. And had other memory games and uh, games where it would turn lights on or off in a pattern and you had to push the buttons to either get them all on or get them all off. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed I thought it was a sort of a science fiction-y thing to, to, to play with. Hmm. It wasn't, you know, a, a G.I. Joe or something like that. It, it was it was a challenging game that I considered fun. And I'm I'm really surprised that I found it in the closet that I, I still have that thing. Oh wow. Did you have a secret place or a favorite hiding spot that you go to? Our house was on a corner. There were um high fences uh, where, where the corner came together. So there was sort of a private area at the garden. There was a garden in that entire area, so it was fenced on two sides. Lots of high plants on the other side of the garden, so the garden was kind of secluded. That's where I like to be, I, I think, mainly because I, I didn't mind being by myself. And also, it was secluded enough that I could be naked, and I, I like to be naked. So that's where, that was my, my, my secret place. So even as a child, you would get naked? And yes, I, I knew my parents didn't, didn't abide by nudity in, in any kind of, I only saw my father naked once in my entire life, and my mother never. I liked it, and I, I knew that you know it was it was supposed to be a shameful thing. So that's where I would be naked hmm. in that that garden where no one could see me. Hmm. How about you? Did you have a secret place or a hiding spot? I, I don't. No, not really. I mean, I remember one of the coolest things we did as a kid. Like I said, we used to go to the marshland. Me and a group of my friends actually built a fort out there it was an actual underground fort we 
basically there was this big hill that was out because on the island there was a department store behind the department store. It was like a strip mall of the department store. There was marshland and it and some of that marsh grass got up to about fifteen feet in the air. So we'd make these real like beach trails and all that stuff. And there was there was hills out there and there was one rather large hill we actually dug out. Uh, wood pallets and stuff like that from the department store and we actually made an underground fort and had like two rooms and it was tall enough for you to kind of get you know you go in through the doorway which was like on the side of the hill and then there was like an open area and then there was another room off attached but it we had like bunsen burners down there which probably wasn't very safe but it you would walk up on it and you wouldn't even know it was there we had that for almost a year but it was, you know, it was, if it rained, you can go in there. People, we had comic books down there and stuff like that. And we had it for quite a while. And then a, a homeless person found it one time and basically took it over from us. That was a little disturbing one day when we went out there to go play in our fort. And this gentleman moved in with all of his stuff. So we promptly stopped going to our fort. We were a little pissed, tried to chase him off. But we were... 10-year-old kids, you know, he wasn't afraid of us. We were more afraid of him. But I would say that was probably our favorite place to go. I think it says a lot about you that your secret place wasn't a secret at all at all. All the other kids knew about it, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any personal, private secret places. I think that's interesting. Did you have an allowance? And if so, how did you spend it? I had an allowance. It wasn't very much. I would probably, I would say I bought like baseball cards. There was a baseball card dealer that was on the island or a few blocks away that would go over there and, and do that. And then just stupid crap that little kids buy, you know, uh, candy and gum. And there was an ice cream shop called Custard's Last Stand. So I'd go over there and get ice cream. There's a few places that would sell like Italian water ice there. Go to Wawa, buy candy and food and stuff like that. I miss Wawa quite a bit. <laughs> People who grew up in that area would know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's just like a, they're gas stations now, but they had some of the best subs and everything. Anyone in Philadelphia and New Jersey would know about it. They actually have them in Florida now. But basically, it's a, Real fancy quick trip with subs and just anybody that grew up in the area would know what a Wawa was. It sounds like candy was important to you. Well. But you were, uh, when were you diagnosed as a diabetic? When I was 12. It was probably helped, <laughs> probably helped me become a diabetic. Well, uh, no, you, juvenile diabetes has n- nothing to do with candy. Oh, oh I know. I'm, I'm being. It's, it's. Basically, a failure of your pancreas. Yeah, I'm being tongue in cheek. I was I was doomed from the start. Both my uh, grandmothers had diabetes. It skips generations, and I was the lucky one to get it. I suppose people probably, as a diabetic child, told you you can't have candy, which which would make you want to have it even more. Oh yeah, definitely. Did you have an allowance? I must have had an allowance because I remember buying books as a kid, but I don't remember how much it was or 
I would imagine my mother probably made us do chores to get that money, but I, I don't really remember how much or, or what we had to do or anything, but I do remember having money to buy books, and I did that a lot. Yeah. We, like, we, like, I always had to take the dogs out for walks, do the trash, do recycling. Didn't even have to mow the lawn or anything like that, but it was mostly taking the dogs out for walks. And then, oh, pooper scooping the dogs. And, like, I remember my sister and my dad getting in knockout fights about that because my sister just hated it. Absolutely hated it. But, yeah, that was, that's how we earned our allowance. I don't, we did have a dog, but I don't recall ever doing that. You're lucky because it's always gross. <laughs> Who was your hero or role model when you were young? I don't really, didn't really have one. I remember my dad's best friend, Lou, kind of looked up to him. I thought he was a pretty cool guy. He would actually do things. My dad wasn't very, he wasn't really into sports. Yeah, like I said, he worked third shift and then uh, he did electrical work during the day but um lou would actually go to the basketball court and we'd play basketball together so i, I guess kind of looked up to him he was kind of like the the dad that i didn't have kind of and i'm not saying my dad was an absent father but he did cool, he did the cool things with me like that and so but i wouldn't say he was like a hero or anything like that yeah i guess that would be the, the closest just I had very fond memories of playing basketball against him, and I remember he uh, he always beat me. But then, as I as I was getting older and taller, we just somehow stopped playing basketball, so I never had a chance to beat him. <laughs> so, did you have any heroes or? My role model was Mr. Spock. Oh, I could see that. He was uh, his his character was a Vulcan. And Vulcans have, they, they are, they suppress their emotions. They, they behaved emotionlessly. And as a teenage boy who had all kinds of feelings that he couldn't deal with, having an emotionless character as a role model was, was a big deal for me. Hmm. I, could, I could see that completely. <laughs> How did you spend your summer when school was not in session? Well, like I said, we would just pretty much we run the island, you know, we uh, hang out with friends. You know, I think my first job I had when I was 13, and that was uh, bagging groceries and collecting shopping carts at a uh, place called Castles, which was in Margie. Yeah, I mean, when I didn't work, it was just hanging out with friends, going to the beach. Playing sports, like I said, going up on the boardwalk on Atlantic City. Sometimes we, I remember being pretty young and jumping on a train and going to Philadelphia with my friends. Did your parents know about that? No. Uh, <laughs> we kind of, you know, I'm going to be here all day long. And then, you know, we'd go up there. It wasn't very often, but, you know, we would, you know, sneak off the island. There's, you know, back there, there was, you really didn't need a car with the public transportation there where we had our bicycles we, you know we raised hell never, you know never really getting into trouble and then uh 
as we got older, kind of discovered beer and alcohol and stuff like that. People start throwing parties. I remember, I think the first time I drank, I was 15 years old. Yeah, it was just doing what stupid kids did back then, really. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, it was it was a summer resort town, so there's always new people visiting and stuff like that. You always find something to do. Well, my summers, I do recall that the nuns who were our school teachers in school emphasized that we had three months off and that we should make the most of that time. Summer vacation was something that was supposed to be appreciated. So I, I kind of recall you know, being somewhat pressured to, to appreciate summer. I, there was an area in the front yard with a nice big shade tree and clover. And I remember laying in that clover because it was cool and the summers were often hot. So <laughs> that was one of my activities, was laying in the clover. Mm. I also recall that there was a stone or like a concrete porch in front of the house with a big split in it and a ant colony had made that their home and I would spend hours and hours sometimes with a magnifying glass watching those those ants build their home hmm. I I guess that was sort of a scientific curiosity I don't remember making a journal or anything but I do remember watching the progress from day to day so <laughs> there weren't a lot there weren't any other kids to play with that, that I recall and so you had to find your own things to it, do yeah and so that that was that was how I spent my summers hmm. did you guys go on family vacations and like where did you go if you, you did go on them we I, I recall going to Colorado to camp in the mountains I believe that we either had a family friend or a relative who had a cabin in the Colorado mountains, but we didn't, we never stayed in the cabin. We, we always stayed, we always pitched a tent on that property. And then we would go visit touristy places in that area, you know, within a driving distance of that camp. I've always had a fear of heights. And the, the one vacation that I remember, we went to some, like, park, like a national park, maybe. And they had stairs that went up the mountain. And as you went up the stairs, you know, the ground was only, you know, like four feet below you the whole way. Because, you know, the, the mountain went up as the stairs went up. <laughs> I do remember getting to the top of the mountain. And looking at and seeing how high it was, and and not wanting to go back down the stairs. I don't blame you. I, I as a child, I, I didn't consider what I was going to do when I got to the top. <laughs> My mother's half brother had um, property at Lake of the Cherokees in Oklahoma. He didn't, I don't think it was a cabin. I think it was like a mobile home that he had down there. But like the trips to Colorado, we didn't, we didn't stay in that mobile home. We, we pitched a tent 
and stayed there. And uh, again, we did touristy things, you know, within driving distance of the, the camp. But that's really the only vacations I can remember going on as a kid. Hmm. How about you? No, we we really didn't do any. I, we didn't do any family vacation. There was a like there was a mothers' club that you know we did like day trips. Me and my mom, my sister, they would do like bus trips to like uh, New York or Washington D.C. But yeah, I I don't think we've ever went on a family vacation. Just like me, my mom, my dad, and sister. I mean, we really didn't need to. We grew up like in a vacation destination, for lack of a better term. But I remember being jealous of my friends that got to go to like Disneyland or Disney World down in Florida and stuff like that. But yeah, we never went on family vacations. Which, but like I said, it sounds sad, but it's just, you know, they were working. We were, you know, they worked all the time and we just, like, I, you know, like I keep saying, I, where I grew up was like a vacation destination. That's interesting. I guess I would have never thought about being on vacation every day. I guess that's what it would be like. Yeah, I mean, it's if you wanted, you, I mean, it was just like to me, it was strange that people would come down and visit where I live, and it was a big deal. And I'm like, what? What are you so excited about? I'm like, this is I live here all year round, you know. But you know, a lot of people, people who would rent these homes or their summer homes were there and. They went to the beach all the time, and I could come and go to the beach any day I wanted. You know, like I said, I was very, very fortunate. What is the best gift you remember receiving as a child? Um, I, I was kind of spoiled. I, I did get a lot of toys. The, the toy that stands out probably the most to me, though, it was right after Empire Strikes Back came out. I remember it was, it was around Christmas time because... One of the neighbors was babysitting me, and my mom went out shopping with one of her friends. It was, I think it was like a month before Christmas. I think it was close maybe to like Black Friday. And I remember my mom getting home, and she promised me that she would get me a Star Wars toy. And she came home that night, and she gave me C-3PO. And I remember I was so mad. I mean, I was happy that I got a Star Wars toy. But I was so mad that it was C-3PO. I was like, you got me the dorky gold one. I wanted like Luke or Darth Vader or, you know, one of the cool ones, Han or Chewie or something like that. But, I, you know, looking back, it's a very fun memory. But I remember just being, I was just mad. And, and it's, I was like so ungrateful. But, you know, my mom's like, that's all they had. I remember telling me that. And I was just throwing a fit. Just, just like terrible. Wound up being my one of my favorite ones. So, you know, as that was the first one I got. And then obviously the collection grew from there, but I would, that probably one stick, sticks out the most. I got director sets and transformers and, you know, then as a, got a Nintendo NES and as, you know, as time went on, but that one really sticks out the most. And then, one thing I had as a child was I had a Snoopy dog, probably about a two-foot-tall stuffed Snoopy dog that apparently I carried everywhere since I was a toddler, and I can remember going everywhere with him. So his name was Baby. He was white and black, and by the time he got retired, he was 
very dark gray ears, and every white part of them was like a dingy gray colored, even after being washed and bleached and everything like that. Interesting. Did you have any favorite toys or anything like that? We we had toys, but my most favorite gift was a Christmas gift. And uh, I keep going back to the same themes, I guess. I got a book called The Making of Star Trek by Stephen E. Whitfield. And it was a book that I really wanted. And this is quite a story for me. It's probably not interesting to anybody else. But it was... It was such a, a great thing for me. Uh, unwrapped that present and saw that book and just be, immediately been become enamored with it and pouring over the pages and looking at the pictures. And I completely forgot about Christmas and everything, everything else just sort of faded away. It was like I was just right there in my own little fantasy land with this book. And I even forgot to open the other present. <laughs> That's hilarious. What did you do for fun as a teenager? Not, not as a child, but as a teenager. And just the same things. Just really like just ran the beaches and played sports. As in, you know, in high school, obviously rode quite a bit. And then, like I said, we used to uh, throw parties. And just, yeah, just the standard stuff, really. Go to movies. And then, you know, go to concerts. Went to quite a few concerts up in Philadelphia. But, yeah, just just normal teenage life. I mean, I kind of really grew up just like almost like as an all-American teenage life. Like, I guess I was really spoiled. What did you, I mean, did you do the same type of thing, or? Absolutely not. And none of those things would have interested me anyway. As a teenager, I formed a, a Star Trek club. And that was really my first social activity. It was probably the first time I went to movies that, that I had a group of friends to hang out with. That, that was it. I, I didn't. I didn't skateboard or do sports or any of those things. I, I was a nerd. Mm. Yeah, we were completely different. <laughs> Funny. So even now, I mean, we're much different, but we work so well together. But yeah, just different type of people, I guess. Growing up, did up. How did your parents feel about the way you dress? It wasn't problem. Um. I don't believe that I rebelled through clothing like many teenagers did. I don't really remember dressing in a way that my parents objected to in any way, except sometimes I, I didn't like wearing clothes. They didn't they didn't like me being naked, but um, I, I don't recall them really having any problems with the way I dressed. How about you? I was, yeah, the same way. I mean, I went through, like, a little bit of a goth or dark kind of phase. Um, really? I did not know that. Well, not, like, goth now. I just wore different kind of clothing. A lot of my friends were into the hair bands. Uh, and I was more into, like, the Cure, more of the alternative type of music. 
So you didn't have a Kiss costume? No. Oh, no, no. I didn't like really the hair bands. I mean, I listened to them a little bit, but I was... Back then, uh, 120 Minute was on MTV, and I would record that every Sunday night. But I remember uh, when Pearl Jam's album 10 came out, uh, Nevermind from Nirvana, when those videos were actually premiered on MTV. And I remember going to uh, Tower Records up in Philadelphia and South Street to get those CDs so I can listen to them. But I was more into the alternative music where my friends were more into the mainstream hair bands like Poison and Def Leppard and Motley Crue and I mean I listened to that stuff but it wasn't really my cup of tea and I I drew quite a bit then too let me guess you had a wallet with a chain on it no 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 not at all I didn't yeah no nothing like that I didn't put eyeliner on or anything like that because I was still kind of a jock being on the rowing team and stuff yeah, my parents didn't have really any problem with the way I dressed. Okay. How did you learn to drive a car? Driver's Ed and my mom. Back then, you know, we had to go through Driver's Ed. I think it was like a six-week course in, like, a classroom. Or, I, don't, I don't think it was that long. But then uh, we actually had to go out with a driving teacher on a weekend. And it was Mr. Grimes who taught us, I believe. And you had to go out and do so many hours driving with him. And then the rest of it was my mom teaching me. And I learned in a little old uh, white Toyota Corolla. Driving in New Jersey is quite a bit different than it is here. Uh, you can imagine there's a lot more crowded and a lot more aggressive drivers there. But yeah, I, that's the way that I learned. Really didn't learn stick shift until college, and that's only because one of the guys that I rode with in college bought a manual, and we drove from New Jersey to here to go to school after freshman year, and I had to learn how to drive stick, and really didn't really know how to, and I remember stalling the car out trying to get onto the highway in Pennsylvania to drive out here, so that was kind of interesting, but yeah. Did, uh, how did you learn how to drive a car? Well, my father was a car guy, and he thought it was important for me to learn how to drive a stick. But he thought it was important for me to first learn on a stick shift car. So he had a, a Ford Starliner, which was old even then, and my first few moments in driving in the car were learning how to engage the transmission and hold your brake and your or the the clutch at the, at the same time and it was it made learning how to drive incredibly frustrating to a 15 16 year old kid oh i bet but he thought it was important for me to learn how to drive a stick and so i did and I don't think I ever have since. <laughs> Our school, the, the high school, one of the courses that you had to take and passed was driver's ed. I don't know how common that is, but in that high school, um, driver's ed and 
a couple of civics classes uh, were were definitely things that you had to take and you had to pass. Yeah, I believe we had the class too, because I remember we we did the uh, simulation. And they almost looked like big uh, washing machines that we had to use for driver's ed. So I want to say it was like a six week class, but I'm not sure. It was like yeah, it was like this this huge classroom, and it looked like you sat in front of this thing and looked like a washing machine, and then there was a big. Uh, screen and yeah it's kind of bizarre i don't recall anything hmm. like that all all of our driving time was actually in the car and oh, wow. i think we were in groups of four so you know in, in the morning each one of the four people would have a, a shot at it in the afternoon or then they'd have classes and lunch and then more classes and then we have to drive again in the afternoon so I think everybody got an hour or two yeah. driving every day for it was, weeks. Yeah. It was a summer class, but you you had to take it. How like would you? Because I know back home, like, did you guys have to learn how to parallel par- park and do yes. K turns and? Yes, parallel parking was the bane of our existence. Yeah, and see, we had to do K turns, and like we had a, I think you could get fifteen, you can get your learner's permit, and then sixteen, you get drivers. There was sixteen learner's permit, and then seventeen, you get driver's license, but. Yeah, they they're real strict back back home about driving. There's millions of people back there, so and they not only still drive properly, but but yeah, I remember. Yeah, parallel parking was, and I remember my dad, and my mom, like drilling. To this day, I can parallel park almost anything. When I had my dad big Dodge Ram twenty five hundred, I could parallel park that anywhere downtown here in Wichita, no problem. People were bored by it. Back there, the parking is pretty tight anywhere you go there. So you have to figure out ways of getting around it. Well, I didn't care for driving. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I still don't. But they, it, it was something, you know, I, I was forced to do. And I guess I'm, I'm glad. I, I, it forced me to plan ahead and learn how to, I suppose, not only follow the rules, but get along with people who don't follow the rules. (laughs) Yes, I I witness that every day. (laughs) What do you think is different about growing up today than when you were a child? Oh, so many things. So many, so many things. It, probably a laundry list of things. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, like now kids have to worry about social media. Everything's, you know, their devices. I don't think kids actually go outside and play. I mean, it's a different world. Like I said earlier, you know, I'd get up in the morning and, you know, I'd come home for lunch and then hang out and play in the neighborhood with the kids and play jailbreak or tag and you have to be home when the when the streetlights came on. Back then, though, I mean, the neighbor caught you doing something wrong. You'd get smacked by the neighbor. Or today, your parents lay a hand on your Department of Child Services getting called on you. It's just a different world that we grew up in. Well, hasn't it always been that way that every generation thinks that kids have it a, a whole lot easier than they did? No, I, well, I don't. I don't think kids, I think kids have to deal with a lot of different things that we didn't have to deal with. Like, back when I grew up, I mean, if you got bullied, 
it was just at school. Now kids have to deal with online bullying. And, I mean, school shootings. We didn't have to deal with that, really. You got into a fight with someone, you got into a fight with them. You didn't have to worry about that kid going and getting a firearm and coming back and shooting the whole school up. So I'm not comparing them. I think kids actually have it harder than we did. Well, but the opposite of that is if a kid is being bullied, he can tell someone and they will do something about it. Yeah. Whereas when you or I was in, in school and, you know, you told your father, you know, somebody's being mean to me, he would go, well, go back and beat him up. Oh, yeah. Go punch him in the mouth. That's, you know, I did my fair share of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. You always hear the, well, when I was in school, I had to walk, you know, two feet of snow uphill both ways to get back and forth, you know. And I don't believe in that. I think it's just with new generations comes new problems. But it's just, it's a different world. We grew up in, you know, like I said, I'm very fortunate with where I grew up. Well, I think kids today probably have more responsibilities, but they also have more benefits. So it it probably evens out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. What is the first big news event that you remember? Hmm. Um, well, it's not the first big news event, but I remember Desert Storm was quite a bit, bothered me quite a bit when I was in high school. I can remember when the news came down, I was actually at uh, a high school. It was a free spring uh, get-together for the rowing team where the, you'd sign up and all that. And I remember everyone talking about it there. And then coming home and turning on the news and watching that. And I remember it kind of bothered me that we were going to war in this foreign country over oil. Were you, like, worried about the draft? No, no. Because I remember, you know, I, for some reason I was told that I didn't have to worry about it. Plus, I was diabetic. I knew that they wouldn't want me. I was damaged goods. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that didn't bother me. That sticks out. So, how about you? The first big news event that I remember was the landing on the moon, when the astronauts landed on the moon. That's cool. I don't recall how old I was. I had to have been under 10, maybe under 8. Hmm. It, was, it was a big deal. I recall being bored because there were... Long periods of time where they were on live TV, the signal from the moon was black and white. I recall they had some kind of radar that would make a rotation every few seconds, and the picture would blank out every few seconds because of that. And it was largely boring because they would spend long periods of time apparently doing nothing. I'm sure the astronauts were doing all kinds of things behind the scenes, but you couldn't see that on the camera. And I recall fidgeting, and my mother said, watch this. This is important. Hmm. I'm glad that I did. You just reminded me. I remember one of the things now that you said that. I remember uh, when the Challenger blew up, because we actually, uh, the school got together, and we went to the library, and they rolled in a TV so we could watch it take off, because the teacher was one of the astronauts. And I remember sitting in the library, all of a sudden a big group, and the 
space shuttle takes off and then boom blows up and i remember the look on the teacher's face is like uh and all of us were like well, what's going on and that wasn't supposed to happen and then obviously everybody but yeah, and I, you know, and everyone had a lot of questions, stuff like that. That's, you just reminded me of that. I also recall when Richard Nixon uh, resigned from the presidency, hmm. listening to his resignation speech on the radio. It was one of those times that we were on vacation in Colorado, and we all sat in the car and listened to him speak on the radio and at the time I didn't I didn't realize the significance the magnitude uh, yeah the magnitude of of what went down but I I do remember that it, it was being a big deal hmm. what advice did your grandparents or parents give you that you remember the best <sighs> nothing stands out yeah, I said that I'd be more prepared than this. I mean, they just like they really just try to prepare me for as much as I could, but nothing like you know, not any certain lesson or any specific moment stands out. I remember when I was diagnosed with diabetes, and we, were, my mom and I, were leaving the pediatrician's office, and I remember I was going directly to Shore Memorial Hospital. And my mom was crying and looked at me and held my hand. And she's like, I, if I could, I would take this disease away from you in a second so you wouldn't have to deal with this. So it was pretty impactful. But it was, I want to say it was a lesson, but I'll, I'll never forget that. Now, I never, I can't really recall any sort of like life lesson that I was taught. Can you recall anything like that? <laughs> yes. My grandmother gave my sister and I the same advice. <laughs> she said, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich boy as it is a poor one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's that's freaking funny. <laughs> Were you popular in high school? No, I wouldn't say so. Uh, oh, come on. You were a jock. Surely, in my high school, the jocks were the popular ones. Everyone else was sub subhuman. Well, no, I mean it. I mean, I, I wasn't unpopular. I wasn't super popular. It wasn't like I was homecoming queen, king, queen, king, or anything like that. I mean, I had a group of friends that I was close with. It was a rather large group of friends, but I wasn't the shy kid in the corner. You know, I wasn't the nerd, but I wasn't like super super jock either so i i guess i was popular but i you know i don't know I, I went to a really large high school too i mean it's i think what your high school had what 20 kids in it um i think there were 200 in the entire high school yes my high school was thousands of students i mean you know so it was you had to really really stand out if you're going to be you know super popular but no, I, I guess, I want to say I was popular, but I wasn't unpopular. Like I said, I did have a pretty large group of friends, a social circle, so. Uh, you, I, 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 I didn't know you back then, but I'm sure that you were popular. You're popular now. 
Oh, uh, I guess I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, and I hated the popular kid. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that you hate me? <laughs> uh, I was definitely not popular, and I didn't want to be. In junior high, we were in a school with, I don't know, maybe 2,000 students, you know, like you. And then high school, we, we moved to a place called Valley Center, where it was mainly rural agricultural people, and everyone knew each other's business, and the popular kids were the jocks, and I didn't want to be part of them anyway. Mm. Um, so, no, I was definitely not popular, nor did I want to be. Yeah. The, that school had a five-year reunion. Oh, wow. I mean, who does that? Uh, no. And they, they would send me letters saying, oh, you know, please come to the reunion. Well, hell, I didn't like those people then. <laughs> I'm not going to go see them now. Yeah. Like our, our, my school's coming up with its uh, 30-year reunion coming up and friends that I came with on Friday night talking about it. and. I I have no interest whatsoever of going to it, so I, I don't really keep in contact with many people that I grew up with. I made more of my close friends in college than I did in high school. I guess that's what happens when you move halfway across the country after you actually get out of college, too. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were younger? I would say that I am stronger than... I thought I would be, that I can handle things that I didn't realize that I could, that, that I didn't think that I could handle when I was young. Hmm. I, I'm more of my own person. I am less worried about what other people think about me. How about you? And my thing would be enjoy it. Uh, time flies. Uh, I think it's, I remember being a freshman in high school. And being like, oh my God, I got to do four years of this. And it just seemed like insurmountable. Like this was just, it was like just so much ahead of me. And now I look back and it's time flies. So just enjoy it while you're young because it goes away in a blink of an eye. And I mean, I don't have any regrets really. I mean, I found the love of my life. I got married later, which, you know, Obviously, very happy. Yeah, just enjoy the time that you got because it, it goes by quickly. If a young person came to you asking what's, your, what's the most important thing for living a good life, what would you say? Do what makes you happy. Don't worry about what other people think. That's a pretty succinct answer. Yep. Sorry, short and sweet. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I would say. Be your authentic self. Don't, don't, don't do things because they're expected. Don't do things because people pressured you into it. Do things because you want to, that, that it is an expression of your self. Especially don't pretend to be heterosexual when you're not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hmm, uh, things that your teenage self thought was important, that things that you worried about that, you know, that other people would say or do, those 
in the long run, those things weren't important at all. And none of those people think about any of that. It's been, it, it lives in your, your head the rest of your life. And it wasn't important then. It's not important now. Mm -hmm. Just be, be authentic. That's good advice. So, I guess we're to the point where it's joke time. So, what is your favorite joke right now? Do you know what my favorite childhood memory is? No, what is it? Not paying bills. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a very good one. That's what I should probably say mine was. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode. This is Kura. And this is Bear. Bye. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.